Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Business Lens, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Hill. But Chris, your tagline, when we announce your presence on this show, it's updated, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm used to calling you the host of Motley Fool Money, the number one stock investing radio show in America. What parts of that are still true, man? That part, I'm happy to say, is still true, but we have since uh, 2022 started, we have expanded Motley Fool Money to become a daily podcast. And when we say daily, we actually mean seven days a week. So Seven the, days a week. Yes. So we're doing uh, daily news Monday through Thursday. We've got the radio show and um, we've got episodes over the weekend that are more of a step back from the news of the day talking about investor psychology, allocation strategies, mindset, got some interesting interviews. Uh, Dan Pink, best-selling author, is going to be one of our guests coming up later this month. So uh, a lot going on at Motley Fool Money. That's really exciting stuff. Can people subscribe to Motley Fool Money? And do they have to subscribe to this new show? Or will they get all of this stuff in the same podcast feed? You get it all in the same podcast feed, whatever podcast platform you like. Whatever one you use, you can follow the show there. Just look for Motley Full Money and, uh, and, and we'll be there. We'll be there clogging up your feed. Excellent stuff. And of course, <laughs> people can find you here with us, which we're really pleased to do. But if you, if you like the kind of thing that you're hearing here, check out Molly Full Money. It's a great listen. And uh, you know your continued growth to domination of all things media is uh, is very encouraging and, and a little intimidating. I'm not going to lie to you. Speaking of intimidating growth, you wanted to start off by talking about gaming. Now, I, you know, you could tell in my tone there, I was a little dismissive. I'm not a gamer. I don't know much about gaming, but I guess I don't really have to, to care about some really, really big business news when it comes to gaming and Microsoft specifically. So what's going on and why did you want to talk about this one? Uh, you know, the, the news involving Microsoft, I think, gets to your second question, which is why do I want to talk about this? I think gaming as an industry, and like you, I'm not a video gamer. My teenage son is, uh, a bunch of his friends are. Uh, I'm not really a gamer, but I think video games as a business, have moved their way into what I re refer to as the must-haves in your portfolio. And by that, I mean, uh, we've talked about this before, Matt, with cybersecurity. I think cybersecurity is such an important industry. There are so many businesses growing in that space that I think if you're an investor and you are a stock investor who has a portfolio of 25, 30 stocks or possibly more, you need to spend a moment and look at your portfolio and say, where is the cybersecurity exposure in my portfolio? Because it's an important industry and I think every investor should have exposure to it. I think video gaming is there now too. I, I just look at 
the growth opportunities, you can put the metaverse in there as well, even if you don't fully understand it, as I don't. Um, uh, what if really you find is, it downright distasteful like me? You, you should still probably pay attention, right? Absolutely, you should pay attention. Um, so the news hook to the, uh, for this is Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard, um, which is a, a video game company that's been around for a bunch of years. It's the largest acquisition Microsoft has ever made. It's just wow. under $70 billion. They are doing it for cash, which I don't know how much cash you have in your sofas. Almost that much. Almost yeah. that much. Um, it, it's really incredible what Microsoft is doing. Um, the deal is expected to close next year. And when it closes, Microsoft will become the third largest gaming company by revenue. Um, but they're, they're not going to stop there. They're going to continue to invest. Um, Activision Blizzard is a name that not everybody is familiar with. They're probably more familiar with some of the titles, some of the franchises that they have. The most famous and the biggest uh, is Call of Duty. Um, so even people who are unfamiliar with Activision Blizzard have probably have heard of the video game Call of Duty. Um, and among other things, this is Microsoft taking a shot right across the bow of Meta Platforms, the company formerly known as Facebook, because Microsoft, uh, obviously they have Xbox, um, they're going to work to integrate Activision Blizzard into their company, um, build out some of these titles, possibly make more acquisitions, but this signals they are absolutely looking to invest in the metaverse because uh, that's a natural place for video games. As you monitor Microsoft, as you have it, we've talked about Microsoft. It was one of your big stories of the year of 2021. How does this fit into their overall strategic pathway that, that you've been keeping tabs on for a long time? You absolutely flabbergasted me by informing me on a, a show a few months ago that Microsoft is now back to number one, the, the number one market cap company in the world, which is astounding because the last I had sort of mentally uh, brought them, you know, onto my radar screen, they were, they were floundering a little bit. They seem to have been bypassed by hipper alternatives uh, like, like Google, Apple, but there they are chugging along and they managed to turn themselves into high market cap, boatload of cash and now they're 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 taking their cash and they're using it on a strategic acquisition like this so how does this fit into that overall pathway where are they going with all this i think it uh, helps them significantly ramp up an area of their business that um, has been steadily growing for years but it really uh, gives a steroid injection to the gaming division of microsoft if you think about Xbox, which has been around as a, a console for uh, a decade or more, um, this gives them intellectual property to plug into their gaming systems through their stores. It gives them a presence in mobile gaming, which is the fastest growing segment of the video game industry. And it's a reminder that Microsoft is good at many things, one of which is acquiring other companies. Um, and let's be clear, there are a lot of businesses that acquire other businesses, but integrating that business into the larger company and making it work and making it grow over time, that's not easy to do. A lot of acquisitions don't succeed. You go back to 2016, Microsoft bought LinkedIn for $26 billion. 
and they had the cash to do it at the time, but it was still an acquisition that made a lot of people, myself included, scratch their heads and ask the question, why are they doing this? How does this fit into their strategic vision? Here we are six years later, LinkedIn continues to grow within the Microsoft ecosystem. And I was talking with one of my coworkers earlier today and I said, God, they made LinkedIn work at a time when we were all skeptical. What are they gonna do with this? You know, how much more successful is this going to be? Because while some people may shake their head at the price tag, and I'll come back to that in a second, um, I don't think there's anyone who looks at this acquisition and thinks this is a bad idea for Microsoft. Um, in terms of the price tag, uh, it's actually a smaller percentage of Microsoft's overall business at just under $70 billion than LinkedIn was in 2016. When they bought LinkedIn in 2016, that represented about 6.5% of Microsoft's overall value as a company. This acquisition of Activision Blizzard is just under 3% of Microsoft as an overall business. And to, to the point you made earlier, Matt, this is a company that's more than $2 trillion in its value. Um, and as I've said before on your show, the world is getting bigger and as investors, we need to get comfortable with that idea. Well, my number one prediction out of this is that you're going to see a game title sometime in the next two years where they bring back that horrible office assistant paperclip. And somehow you will be in a first person shooter version where who knows, maybe you get to assassinate the paperclip. That would be I, I, a best I actually seller think that would be guy. a great idea that, that <laughs> it becomes this little Easter egg within a game. You get to shoot Clippy. Who oh, want synergy, that? man. That's 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 synergy right there. And just to be clear, before we move on to the next topic, you're not specifically necessarily advocating, hey, you should go out and buy Microsoft stock. What you are saying is, look, you know, you've always encouraged listeners on your show, on this show, look at classes of assets, look at sectors, look at industries. And the gaming is now something where you, you want to be you want to be in the game. I think that's right. And I, I also think that, you know, Microsoft as a business is um, in terms of expectations for investors, it's a $2 trillion company for the stock to double. It needs to get to 4 trillion. You know, this is, this is not going to be a high flyer uh, over the next five to 10 years. I'm optimistic about its prospects for growth. Um, but I do think it's telling that, when they announced this deal, they were very clear about the fact this is going to take at least 12 months, if not longer, for the deal to close. So Activision Blizzard and Call of Duty and all of the gaming intellectual property underneath that uh, company's brand, um, we are a year and a half at a minimum away from that actually starting to hit uh, Microsoft's revenue streams. Well, I will be very excited to check back as soon as I have an opportunity to shoot Clippy. But speaking of looking ahead to growth, it's earnings season. And that's always a great time to check in on trends in investing and with, with the companies that you pay attention to in the marketplace. So what are you watching out for? I'm watching a couple of things this earnings season. Um, it, it really kicked off last week. The big banks on Wall Street starting to report, uh, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan. Um, I, I'm watching retail for one. 
because I'm always interested to see how did the retailers do over the holiday season. Um, I've learned from years of investing that uh, just because a couple of retailers do well, doesn't mean they all do well. Um, Amazon's the biggest in terms of market cap out there, but I also think it's the most interesting just in terms of um, what they're doing in terms of holiday uh, numbers. Also, any color we get from them about hiring, about uh, their transportation, uh, but also other parts of the business as well. But I'm, I'm also curious to hear from Target, Walmart, Costco, uh, some of the other big retailers and see sort of like who did well, um, if there were any struggles, what did they struggle with and, and sort of how are they setting themselves up for the rest of this calendar year, um, which gets to the second thing I'm watching. And this is really across the board. This is um, this is one of those things that uh, it doesn't matter what industry. Um, I'm interested in guidance. Um, you know, we say all the time at The Motley Fool, investing is all about the future and, and quarterly results are interesting. I'm always interested in them, but they are looking backward by design. This is what our company did over the last three months. The guidance that companies give, I think, is going to be uh, really instructive to how this earnings season goes, because I think a lot of investors, myself included, are interested to hear what different businesses in different industries uh, are expecting for the spring. Um, when you step back and look at the medical news, the public health news in America, um, we're all sort of hunkered down for the next couple of months, hoping that we have a, a, a nice bright spring, both in terms of weather, but in terms of um, greater public health, um, getting back out there, maybe a, a revisit to the great reopening that we talked about last year. Um, but I also want to hear what companies are saying about hiring, uh, what they're saying about travel. Um, so I, I think that um, between retail and sort of guidance across industries, um, hopefully we're going to get a much better picture of really how the first half of 2022 is going to go for our economy. Everything you were just saying reminded me of the old military aphorism that amateurs talk strategy, professionals talk logistics. And what you're looking at here isn't so much kind of, first of all, the top line retroactive earnings number, or even the, you know, what we were just talking about vis-a-vis -vis Microsoft, kind of the longer term strategy per se. What you're looking at is what is the set of tea leaves at a very specific level? How are companies doing with the, the, the fact that it's been so hard to hire? It's something we've talked about on this show a great deal, that people are leaving their jobs in droves and they're not necessarily willing to, to come back for anything less than, you know, an ideal fit. How are they, what are companies anticipating about the state of the world over the next few months? Are they sending their people to, to meetings? Are they sending their people out on the road? So it sounds like what you do, this is kind of interesting to me and, and maybe for our listeners who don't generally read earnings reports, the, the pro way to do this is you, you look ahead at those kinds of specific projections, and then you kind of put them all together. You sort of aggregate them for a picture of what are the next six months? What does the next year look like? Maybe you can get kind of an overall flavor of how are companies feeling across the marketplace? You get that. You also get a sense of what are companies doing with their money? 
because um, CEOs and company executives uh, can be just like politicians from the standpoint of they can talk the talk, but they don't always walk the walk. Uh, so I always want to see what are companies doing with their money? How are they investing it? What are they spending on? Are they paying up to hire staff so that they can keep their stores open longer? Um, are they buying back shares of their stock? Are they looking to give pay raises to employees? And, and this is one of the things I always like to see, how are they spending their marketing dollars? Because you can talk on a conference call or you know, put out a press release um, that doesn't cost a lot of money to run television ad campaigns, ads on YouTube, ads on the radio, um, on podcast, in print, all that sort of thing. That costs a lot more money. And it's a way for a company to say, this is such an important message to us. We're putting this amount of money behind it. So I want to see how are companies spending their money? Um, what are they investing in? And what are they doing with their marketing dollars? Particularly to go back to retail for a second, something that um, I'm just starting to uh, notice is uh, the Winter Olympics are coming up. You know, a, a lot of promotions for that. And um, as someone who owns shares of Under Armour, uh, a sports apparel company that uh, really hasn't done that well as a stock and a business over the past few years, uh, I'm personally hoping that the, the way they're spending their marketing dollars around the Winter Olympics is going to give their business a boost. Um, but I think, you know, particularly with like big sporting events coming up, the Winter Olympics, the NCAA basketball tournament, that sort of thing. Um, always interesting to me to see where are companies spending their money? What message are they trying to send us? Yeah, that's really interesting. It reminds me a little bit of what you always see. If you, if you watch a poker tournament, for example, on ESPN, the commentators are always talking about, well, what is this player's story here in this hand? And, and what are they representing? What are they? And so it's one thing to say, you know, to set expectations in an earnings report and say, here's our story. But then what you do is you dig in and say, well, are, are, they, are they hiring to fit that story? Are they, are, are they investing in, in capital, you know, to, to, to produce that story? Are they, are they marketing in line with that story it's really, really interesting and looking forward to talking much more about earnings as some of those results start to roll in. But you were just alluding to big sporting events coming up and we're in the middle of some big sporting events. We just completed as we record this today, the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. You are always interested in the business of sports. So what are you seeing in the business of sports when it comes to this NFL opening weekend for the playoffs that the NFL continues to be the king of American sports. Um, you look at the business, particularly the television ratings, they're up across the board, every network, NBC, CBS, Fox, ESPN, ABC, they're all thrilled with uh, the fact that ratings continue to be strong, particularly when you look back over this past weekend, uh, there were a lot of games that weren't that great. Uh, as oh, a Patriots fan, nope. um, it, the first quarter wasn't even over, and I knew the game was over. I just, you know, and uh, same last night with the the, the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, there were just a bunch of blowouts where you just, you know, watched it early. doesn't matter. It's playoff football. It, this is the biggest sport in America, and uh, this is the time for these businesses to really make hay with their advertising dollars. And I, uh, you know, just as a sports fan, 
I look at this NFL season and I think this seems like one of those years which is more wide open than other years. There's, you know, there are other years where there's a dominant team in each league and this is the team that is absolutely going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, this seems like one of those years where I, I think now, particularly going into this next weekend, um, it, there are favorites. You know, Green Bay looks like a favorite uh, in the NFC. Uh, Kansas City probably is a favorite. Buffalo might be a favorite in, in the AFC. But, the, you know, would it be all that shocking if Tennessee went to the Super Bowl? Would it be all that shocking if San Francisco went? No, not really. Um, and that makes for great ratings. So the business is um, as strong as it's ever been, which, you know, if you're a baseball fan, um, you're at the other end of the spectrum facing the potential lockout of players and and wondering, you know, when the NFL is thriving, baseball fans are wondering if there's going to even be a season. Well, first of all, can we all agree that we should do away with a Nickelodeon broadcast? I mean, I have <laughs> I have some young kids at home. They could not have cared less about the slime illustration on yard lines. Just absolutely no interest. Don't see the appeal. It's it's not a thing, folks. It's not happening. Second of all, for people like me who do not care about baseball, which is good because my wife's a Red Sox fan. I'm from New York City. So <laughs> that resolved itself very, very nicely. I'm not shedding too many tears about the trajectory of baseball, but you do bring up an interesting larger point, which is if you rewind about a year and a half, there was a real sense, maybe maybe live sports are in for it. Like COVID could be sort of like an extinction level event for the what had been sort of the kingpin of broadcasting, which was live sports. It wasn't clear that the NFL was going to be able to proceed in any kind of a safe way. And then the NBA went through its whole bubble experience, which was interesting, not exactly ideal. And yet here we are at the other end of it. And it sounds like you're saying from an investment standpoint, from a business standpoint, live sports are still where it's at. It's, it's still a great business model in America. It absolutely is. And uh, again, this is at a time when there are still significant questions and concerns about public health in America. Um, fast forward to the summer or the fall, if you're, you know, if you're a football fan and you just want to skip ahead to the start of the, the football season uh, in the fall of 2022, um, imagine uh, more people vaccinated, more people boosted. Uh, Omicron is in the rear view mirror. But, you know, how much more filled are the stands going to be? Um, how much more excited are people going to be? Um, and how much more willing are they going to be to spend the money to go to live events because they've largely been cooped up in their homes for two years? So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's kind of surprising only in the sense that there were a few years with the NFL where despite the strength of it as uh, the most popular sport in America, uh, it, we did see times when the TV ratings would tick down and, and that sort of thing. Um, even with the quality of play this past weekend being across the board, not great. You know, there were a couple of exciting games that came down to the wire, but there were more blowouts than there were close games coming down to the wire. So um, even with that, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to see. Well, and just lightning round. I mean, <laughs> it sounds from everything we've discussed in the past, you're super interested in, in streaming services and, and, and that side of the entertainment coin and obviously in live sports. It sounds like there's still plenty 
for sports leagues and broadcasters to figure out how to navigate in, in the YouTube era, in the social media era, how to reach a younger generation that wants to watch short clips and, you know, and, and can access things on demand in, in various ways. But the bottom line is just from an investor standpoint, these are still for now reliable properties from a, for, for broadcasters that are looking like they're going to chug along challenges ahead things to figure out in the business model but still a pretty sound investment property absolutely and uh one more reason that you have amazon prime and apple and others uh non-traditional um uh, broadcasters who are looking to secure the rights um, because uh, at the moment, everything the NFL touches turns to gold. So just to remind our listeners, people can find your new daily show, including Monday through Thursday, daily analysis, and then kind of that step back view on the weekend broadcast. They can find all of that content where? Find it on your favorite podcast platform. Look for Motley Fool Money. Follow us and uh, come along for the investing journey. And of course, while you're at it, please do subscribe to Beyond Politics, our main podcast. We also have Capital Close Up for our New Hampshire listeners. And we are broadcast on WKXL. That is Chris Hill, host of Botley Fool Money. I'm Matt Robeson. Thanks for joining us.